I'm Rob. And I'm Artie. And welcome to Trades Planning, a podcast that tries to make sense of international trade, business, and expat life without putting you to sleep. Are you Artie? Because you don't sound really very convinced. It's just, it's just I sound Artie. professional. <laughs> I don't know what you sound like. Michelle's vaping over I mean, here. where's well, the energy? Well, okay. Well, okay. Okay, okay, okay. Let's do it again. Do it again. Do it again. I'm Rob. Your hair is stupid. You look like David Lynch if he if he ate more. Oh my god, you do look like David Lynch. Who's David Lynch? The directs those those weird shows and movies. Oh, you're right. Look at his hair. I'm Rob. And I'm Artie. And welcome to Trade Splaining. A podcast that tries to make sense of international trade, business, and expat life without putting you to sleep. In our year-end episode 57, we'll be recapping COP28, looking back at the year that was 2023, including bloopers, and possibly making some predictions for 2024, hashtag... Artie was right. right. I was. And since this is our year-end episode, as we like to call it, there's no guest interview this week. So we'll just go ahead and do things differently and interview ourselves. Do more talking. Or is that different? And of course, we'll throw in a few points on listener feedback and sneak in a news roundup and a few jokes. Well, I guess we should get into it. Without further ado. Thank you for that. But I was right. Marty was right. Welcome everyone to episode 57, the atomic number of lanthanum. ChatGPT says that it's a chemical element with the symbol LA and atomic number 57, hence why I'm talking about it. <laughs> the green lanthanum. Thanks, ChatGPT. <laughs> it's also soft, ductile, silvery white metal that tarnishes slowly when exposed to air. Kind of like my hair when it doesn't have any product in it. Kind of uh, like my 16-year-old self. <laughs> <laughs> my hair, you've seen it when I just have, con- after a conditioner and shampoo, it just falls down. That's neither here nor there, though. I should also mention that there are 57 known moons of the planet Jupiter as of ChatGPT's last update as of uh, January 2022. And also, it took 57 Google searches to find something interesting about 57. But more importantly, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast to make sure you catch our future episodes coming up next year. And better yet, you can also share with a friend or a stranger. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts. So subscribe to all of them and do leave a review. Uh, Sorry, can I interrupt you a second? Anywhere they get their podcasts? They can. Go to any of the links we send on any of the 800 platforms that we are platforms, on. Platforms, because there's yeah. new ones. Yeah, every they're day. growing every day. Yeah, exactly. So, Rob, this marks our end-of-year 2023 episode, as you talked about. I think we've got a few things that we want to get off our chest. For me, mainly, the one thing is that this saga that is the Manchester United ownership is finally coming to an end after a year and two months. The guy who owns, funnily enough, FC Lausanne, is going to own Manchester United, Sir Jim Radcliffe. I know you're really excited about that, but I wanted to let you know that this is is happening. And that's actually why we have to cut short this episode recording, because I have to go watch a soccer game, because I'm in a toxic relationship with Manchester United. I know they're going to lose or draw, but I'm still going to watch them for the emotional damage. Well, I think the, I do think listeners will be happy that you have a hard stop, already. Not true. But, <laughs> uh, okay, <laughs> listeners, be advised, we have a hard stop. I know Rob doesn't care about Manchester United. I just wanted to mention it. Uh, what he does care about is we are no longer revenue neutral or pre-revenue. We're actually revenue positive. So 2023 will go down as the first year where trade splitting made money, not just any kind of money. 
real money, not Bitcoin. Yeah, it's absolutely huge. But based on our course, based on our equity structure and the way that our investors set their trades planning up, we cannot access the money yet. It's in the Cayman Islands. It's all offshore. It's under my name. (laughs) So take that, Tesla. Moving on. Yeah, yeah. No, I think this is a really good segue because what I wanted to say is because we're reaching this pinnacle or this is a, a kind of an early pinnacle, there'll be many pinnacles after this. We're starting to get very, very uh, muscular AI personalized spam. Persistent. Offering us new products. I think it's a, it's an incredible rite of passage. And one of our reasons, I want to do a shout out to Omar Mo, who I think has been using ChatGPT to personalize some messages. Now, I wanted to let Omar know he keeps sending them to somebody called Robert, which is a little weird. Also, no they're going to tradesplaining, and everybody knows only Artie checks tradesplaining. So if you want it to really be personalized, if you, want to, if you want to get to somebody, you should probably set it to to respond directly to, to Adrian. It's either Adrian or Marty. <laughs> and then also I wanted to say, what a disappointment for his mom, because he says he's a real born and bred podcaster. So how do you breed a podcaster? Even this. Podcasters aren't made. They're born. I think this is a real big step for us. We are now, what does Omar's uh, email call us? We are now the artists of the entrepreneurship world. And actually we, me and Mo, you're not even mentioned, are the <laughs> coolest of the bunch. We are the coolest of the bunch. Him, this, uh, Omar, and Robert. It's not about me for once. And this can, is why can AI, can we have Michelle generate a response <laughs> to all these from AI? Don't I love it. that you need to go through me <laughs> to go through AI. <laughs> Anything that's after 2014 goes through automatically, Michelle. Any technological... <laughs> advanced it came AI what's that Instagram Michelle <laughs> I feel like I'm like chat GPT because they, I I turned off the data coming into me years ago so, <laughs> and there's always and there's always a disclaimer you're like I'm going to tell you something but it may not be true because I stopped caring about anything after 2014 <laughs> it may be total garbage <laughs> so shout out to Omar Mo who is master of personalized AI spam machines and this one's for you Jumping right into the important news stories this episode, first one up, our roundup of COP28, which was which we promised in our last episode. More than 190 governments at the UN Climate Conference approved calling for the world to transition away from fossil fuels. That's the big headline. This sent a signal to the global economy that governments are actually kind of serious about cutting back on oil, coal, and natural gas in the fight against global warming. So the deal, as it's as it was written, calls for transitioning, quote unquote, away from fossil fuels and energy systems in a just, orderly, and equitable manner. I feel like there's a UN word in the day in there somewhere. It says that the shift to clean energy for the global economy should accelerate this decade with the aim of net zero greenhouse gas emissions by 2050, or by the time New York and Florida are underwater. Exactly. Um, scientists say that it's crucial in fulfilling the Paris Accord, the climate agreement that calls for governments to limit global warming to 1.5 degrees Celsius above pre-industrial temperatures. It marks the first time that the UN agreement has called for governments to cut back on all fossil fuels, and scientists have long said it, but big fossil fuel producers led by Saudi Arabia and growing developing nations like China and India have historically rebuffed pressure to end the, the use of fossil fuels. But this struck a compromise between those Western nations that wanted a total phase out and petrostates would try to exclude any mention of fossil fuels, quote unquote, in the document. Some environmental groups have also expressed concerns that the deal left plenty of loopholes open for the fossil fuel industry, like 
big mentions of carbon capture and storage and transition fuels, quote unquote, which we'll save that for another podcast, but have a whole litany of issues with them. Finally, I guess this comes back to, in my sort of reading, it, it's always the issue of who's going to pay for the transition. So developing countries and developed countries are, are right in their own ways. There's just not the compromise that I guess we could hope for. It hasn't come as soon as we would hope for, I should say. It always comes back to who's going to, to pay for it. Developing countries are saying the West, quote unquote, has had its fun. They've reaped the benefits of fossil fuels for this, these past few generations. Now it's our turn, so to speak. And if not, then we need help paying for it. African countries, for example, have said we're all for this green transition, but how are we going to get there? Who's going to finance this decarbonization? A lot of them are saying, uh, many in West Africa, for example, are saying we need oil and gas industry to help us fund this transition. Yeah, I agree. I mean, the, so that the, the key language in, is not just a, a phase out, but it's a phase out that's, that's just orderly and equitable. It's very big that it's a phase out. We know that. Yeah. Not possible in prior COPs. There was absolutely no, no uh, agreement to do that. Now it was possible, but they were negotiating for a very long time, late, up, late at night and so on, to get these three words in there. So just orderly and equitable. So we know just and, and, and equitable have to do with just as you say, who's going to pay and who, where, which, in which direction is that money going to flow effectively? Like you said, so there are countries that are more affected and there are countries that are poorer. They're going to need more money and more support in order to go through the transition. And as you say, some are fossil fuel producers. So for them to stop production of fossil fuels in addition to use of it will be potentially expensive. Now, the fact then I think orderly, at least in my reading is the, is all of the fossil fuel producers themselves. So we're not going to shut the taps right away because it's going to be too disruptive to those who are producing or making money off it. So it's an interesting crash course on how treaties are written, what they look like and what they mean. What yeah. behind the scenes was also really interesting is that there was apparently a, a good active dialogue between the U.S. and China. So John mm. Kerry on the U.S. side and the Chinese negotiator were talking quite a lot. And it was their kind of agreement that set the stage for this to go ahead. You remember a year ago, you and I were talking about the fact that China and the U.S. were not really even talking. Yeah, I think their, their rooms were even next to each other. Yeah, exactly. They could spy on each other easier also. That just, yeah, well, uh, why not? You know, why not? I mean, just uh, open, open the kimono. Drill a hole through the wall. <laughs> I think that th this is, just like we said last, just like we said last episode in, in anticipation, it's not enough. It's not soon enough. But it's still a step. It's a step-by-step -step process. And the fact that people have become more conscious of the, of warming, they've seen more damage due to, and damage in rich countries as well due to, to climate means that they're more anxious to get underway with this thing and they're yeah. willing to look for ways. It also means actually, in fact, that the mix of fossil fuels in energy being produced in places like China has already started to transition. So they already see a way to get to this point. But of course, environmentalists still talk about a lot of distractions related to carbon sequestration or That's carbon capture. I plant more trees. Not even that, that we're going to have huge electrically powered machines that are going to pull carbon out of the atmosphere. That will be powered by fossil fuels. Apparently, I think it's going to be. I think it's a good result, and it's probably the best result we could have hoped for, given how fragmented things are. And I, I think this war warming, let's put it this way, between China and the US is actually quite encouraging on this front. I think this is more of a, a, it's a bit of a segue. It's not really related to the, the trade angle, if you will, but 
for me, I can't help but but think if we look back on the past 18 years, things are getting worse slowly. Fuels every year. It's for example, next year will most likely be the hottest year on record, like 2022 was until 2023 came, and so on and so forth. I'm just I can't help but think we're like the frogs that is slowly boiling in water. And one day we're going to wake up and everything's on fire, but we'll have slowly adapt it, which is a good thing. It's part of humans' resilience. But I can't help but think if all of the last 18 years were crammed into one, so all of the, the global warming, all of the forest fires, Canada, et cetera, everything we read last year, the year before, the previous years, happened in one year, we would have found the solution in, in a split second. Like We would have probably called for a war on climate change or something. <laughs> And uh, we would have found the solution much quicker than if we're just doing this slowly. And undoubtedly, you're sorry. right. Yeah, I think we do need to have a situation where we are somehow under threat, where our current model is under threat. And I just watched Armageddon again the other day, and that's a perfect example. There's an asteroid coming to you, and now the Russians and the U.S. they get on a spaceship and they go and they blow up the asteroid. They put their differences aside. So we need the climate change version of an asteroid for us to get our collective you know what together also yeah that's probably the only michael bay movie that uh, i can watch but also then with the earth being destroyed the, the costs are high of course it, no, no, it was it was paris it was just paris it was like a little okay. that's also another thing it's just like, okay the world's going to be destroyed oh no it's just paris <laughs> crisis averted anyway next thing we want to talk about is the fact that post-covid it seems that supply chains are, have been easing or starting to have eased and trade may be making a comeback so there's been a bunch of news over the last year talking about how things may seem to be getting better. For example, we've we made that overused joke many times about how Rob won't have to wait an, an exorbitant amount of time for his bike to come and, and things like that. LVMH and other luxury goods stocks are looking at 2024 to be shaping up kind of like 2023, but in reverse. So for example, on this year when China's reopening fueled a splurge on pricey handbags and jewelry, before calming down, investors expect 2024 to start on a weak foot before reviving in the second half. And we went through COVID a couple of years ago, lockdowns and things like this. Pfizer's shares fell to their lowest close in more than a decade, which caps a bit of a stunning fall, which in the last year has taken out more than $140 billion in valuation. It overestimated demand for its pandemic products. And after COVID-19, after the crisis subsided, sales dried up faster than the company had expected. So again, highlights the fact that things may be changing the last two, three years were an anomaly. Switzerland, we have to mention Switzerland. It's known for its high living costs, along with chocolate, cheese, and watches. It's making a bold move uh, in the area of trade protectionism that should make things a bit cheaper. So it's saying goodbye to industrial tariffs, which is not something we've been talking about many countries doing the past um, couple of years, but with trade wars and things like that. So starting in January, 95% of all imports will enjoy duty-free status in, in Switzerland. And this promises more affordable goods like cars, household appliances, clothes, things like that. So that's the bright side. And then China, we've talked about in the past, the, the property crises, the defaults on loans from big property manufacturers, debt risks, and lower farm investment because of geopolitical crisis. They've recently released a bunch of measures designed to help domestic and foreign firms trade more. So that seems like a, a bright spot, right, Rob? Yeah, I think so. It's also maybe in response to the fact that with all the interest rate cutting, sorry, interest rate hikes that various central banks have been doing, the, the spike and then drop in demands post-COVID and all these things, we knew economic growth was going to start to slow. So there's suddenly an incentive to try to make things work more easily. That may be 
also coming to a soft landing. So there's a lot of back and forth in various publications about whether the U.S. is, is not going to go into recession. Thank you, Jerome Powell. Crypt- All my crypto bros out there who are talking smack about big Jerome, they're not talking anymore because now their crypto portfolio has gone up and he's landing the plane. There may be a reduction in the upward pressure on the headwinds related it, to interest actually, rates. Actually, as we're recording this, I forgot, we should mention that inflation is much closer to its 2% target, the Fed's target, than any point in the past three years or so. So that's more good news. Yeah. So I think we did pull out in the different stories you mentioned, also people somehow a little bit uh, under the radar are trying to make trade a little easier. So trade is no longer the big the big boogeyman. And there, there's some things that are being done that, that are not politically visible, let's say, uh, in many cases. And for instance, for the Swiss reducing tariffs, tariff revenue is not a huge part of Swiss revenue collection like it is for most rich countries. So this was a big step, but probably politically is not so terribly difficult. And for Swiss citizens will be a big win. For Swiss industry, let's see. And the idea, and, and China we've talked about has hit many different kinds of bumps in terms of their growth. So it's not surprising that they're trying now to bring back the prior model, which was export-led or, or at least trade-led. So we do see, and, and that they're trying to make business easier. So I, known I as doing what you were doing before, but calling it a different name. <laughs> oh my God, now it's called the Great the great march towards e-commerce. I don't know. Who knew liberalization was not a bad thing? <laughs> Let's see. Yeah, I'm looking forward to buying luxury cars cheaper here in Switzerland. But I was just kidding about all that things are still clogged, particularly in the canals. So because of mainly geopolitical risks and climate change. So just as the effects of pandemic era backlogs and port closures have started to calm down, as I talked about before, two continental shipping passages, which we've talked about previously, the Suez and the Panama canals, are suffering from more obstructions to trade traffic. NOAA ship is not stuck in either of them. But since mid-November, more than 10 transiting vessels have been attacked by Yemen's Houthi militants. Many shipping companies have responded by postponing journeys through the regions, which is a crucial passage between Asia and Europe and saves a whole lot of time, money, than going through the alternative, which is going through South Africa. Since the region is an important freight channel for oil, liquefied natural gas, and cost- consumer goods, resulting shortages and bottlenecks could push up inflation. Transport costs are rising as well, so insurance premiums for some ships are increasing. Maersk, for example, has announced that it would reroute ships around the Cape of Good Hope. If more followed, global trading costs would again be pushed higher, something we saw during COVID. Problems in the Suez Canal also risk combining with shocks elsewhere. For example, in the Panama Canal, it's suffering from low water levels linked to drought, which is linked to climate change. The channel is operating at only 55% of its normal capacity, and transits have been restricted for the coming months, and this means that prices are have gone up and will continue to go up until this abates. Uh, the knock-on implications for global inflation depend on how the blockages persist and whether the shocks keep on piling up. But the shocks to the Panama and Suez canals are reminders, I, I would say, that supply chain instability is, is here to stay. So I, I tricked you, Rob. It's not all great. <laughs> That's true. It's Right now, these are relatively minor disruptions compared to the Suez Canal issue and compared to Ukraine. So let's see how they develop. I think the Panama Canal and the, the drought, the lack of water in this huge lake which feeds the canal is potentially a medium-term issue and probably won't get better so this is interesting how they address this and it's a huge it's a huge channel that, that we have to get through so let's see i think that most of the issues we have to face there will be climate issues are going to be 
man-made issues, basically. They're going to be political and governance issues. I do think supply chains are more resilient now. There's been some thinking since COVID about how to do this, how to preposition mm. goods, how to have just in case rather than just in time. And there have been, we know, some fragmenting or some movement of supply chains so that there's less concentration in certain countries. We know that the China, China COVID restrictions created, again, a man-made issue, which came out of a, a pandemic, created its own supply chain uh, problems. Although still, if you ask supply chain guys, there was no problem. There was just a huge spike in demand that the, the supply chains and world producers couldn't quite keep up with. But supply chains, apart from a couple of minor issues, responded well to. So that, that seems to be the narrative that people are saying. Of course, we blame supply chains because my bike took 20 months to get there. But on the other hand, it was basically just unprecedented demand. And also, even in areas that were strategic, strategic minerals like PPE, like drugs, supply chains delivered. So thank you. I'd like to say thank you. And Mo would like to say thanks to all of those supply chain professionals who kept goods moving. And to Robert. And to but Robert, not whoever that is. <laughs> so, Rob, listeners will, will know that we don't have an interview guest this week because we want to make this episode all about 2023, 2024, and ourselves. So in keeping with that theme, we're going to make our predictions for 2024. And then maybe if they come true, we'll look back on them at the end of 2024 to remind you that we were right. We've got a, a short list here. We'll try to keep it brief. First one up for me, I think that trade, national security, and AI will be used at least once in the same sentence in 2024. That's definitely something that will happen. Trade, national security, AI. I also think that trade explaining will have at least 38 mentions of watches and how they explain either the luxury boom or bust at any given point during the episode, depending on the content we need to, to push. And finally, I was going to say before we recorded this episode that we were going to talk about at least one of the canals again in 2024, but the earth couldn't wait a few weeks to help me make my prediction come true. So it happened already in, in 2023. So I'm going to say it anyway, just to show you that I'm the Nostradamus of trade. You'll remember, folks, Nostradamus predictions didn't come true. They did, if you read them right. Okay, that's exactly that. They were very ambiguous and yeah. could be construed as either wrong or right, depending on what yeah. point you were trying. We do want to just to caution you that sending a couple of people out on some rubber boats in the middle of one of the one of global trade's big waterways to stop a couple of boats to make your come true. That's not good. That Are you talking about like those climate change activists? They started doing that now? They stopped taping themselves <laughs> to the road? <laughs> you can glue yourself to the Suez Canal. <laughs> oh, you can now because the water levels are so low. <laughs> you can stand in it. <laughs> okay. I mean, you're, you've captured everything that's important to predict, but let me give you a couple from my side. We did, we've already talked to earlier in the episode, but in terms of trade and demand, I think it's not going to crater as much as we would have feared in the middle of the year, there was a very high inflation, very high interest rates. And we saw you know, potential big bangs coming from, for instance, the Chinese real estate industry. Now it doesn't seem quite as bad and there may be a soft landing in the US. So trade may be a little lower at the beginning of the year, but to pick up later and, and demand in general. So this is a good thing compared to what maybe we had imagined. That having been said, it may be partially determined by energy prices, which are up. And energy consumption. So far, it's a very warm winter 
let's see if if it becomes uh, much colder this could be a, a big could be big headwinds could be ne- negative downward oh. pressure also we have another ministerial coming for the WTO that's in February of the coming year i think we could predict that's not going to blow us away it's not going to not going to be huge outcomes there they're, they're still negotiating and we heard Valerie Picard a couple of weeks ago tell us there's a kind of consensus building around potential reforms, but I don't think it's going to really gel yet. So let's see what they're able to come up with there. As they continue to struggle a little bit, uh, I think it's fair to say, as you said, with national security and other types of sort of fragmentation, protectionism, uh, industrial policy, these kinds of things will continue to muddy the waters in trade and continue to, let's say, if we were just pure economists, create distortions. That having been said, all the distortions yet created so far haven't really dampened trade. So we still see a huge, we, and the economists is pointing this out, and we've been pointing this out since even 2020, there's still a huge trade between U.S. and China, for instance. And we said a few weeks ago, maybe the bilateral trade has gone down, but supply chain analysis seems to indicate there's still a lot of trade with China, which is now coming via Malaysia and the Philippines and other places. So let's watch that. I have a yeah, muddy but- waters actually. Um, I, think trade, I think trade will keep on uh, rolling and uh, tumbling. Yeah, thank you. You'll have to Google it to know if I'm if I know what I'm talking about there. Yeah. It was either that or hoochie coochie, man. So I don't know where that's that exactly. fit in, in trade. <laughs> exactly. This is exactly. Yeah. Trade. Trade. There, there will be a promiscuity of trade throughout the year. Put it that way. Yeah, well, if Trump gets elected, we can reference hoochie coochie. <laughs> Finally. Yeah. Thanks. That's also another thing we can, we're going to enjoy another U.S. election next year. I was going to say, can we make, should we make predictions on who's going to win? I think we should definitely avoid making predictions on anything to do with substance because there's going to be any. It's just, it's going to be pure, it's going to be pure eight person CNN panels all talking to each other about the color of somebody's tie or how people in the heartland are polling on issues such as, you know, blue versus red versus I'm looking forward to 2025, the State of the Union, when somebody on CNN will say, it's guaranteed almost at this point, will say, this is the day X person became president after a speech at the State of the Union. Sick. That's, that's a rock solid <laughs> prediction. That's, yeah, that's two mean, years ahead, folks. It's cold and flu season. I can also predict sick shaming is going to continue to gain momentum and it's going to okay. continue to cause overconsumption of cold medicine. Apparently, all you out there we're going to work sick. Yes, you know who you are. Or going to work with allergies, or maybe you've got a little tickle in your throat. You're guzzling cold medicine in order to make that go away because people are looking at you sideways. So for the cold medicine industry, keep it up. Keep it up. Well, this is going to be a boom. Well, this is the reason that we're recording this remotely because you sound like you ingested uh, a Boeing 747. <laughs> a couple of Rolls Royce engines. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like Sorry. we've really captured pretty much everything that's going to happen in the coming year. Oh, we, we've been ambiguous and broad enough yes, that exactly. everything is, is covered. So hold us to it, or maybe we'll hold ourselves as long as we're proven right in twenty in December 2024. What are your predictions, folks? If you have any predictions you'd like us to talk about in our next episode, please write to us at trade.splaining at gmail.com. That's trade.splaining at gmail.com. This is how we generate content because it's not called dry January. I'm dying. Rob goes into Dora the Explorer whenever he has to get out of a segment. So, 
This is the segment we have where TS correspondent Michelle talks to us about the vibe shift, and she continues to give the world's longest obituary uh, related to the unfortunate passing of globalization. Michelle, has globalization finally kicked the bucket? Today, I want to talk about a different kind of ending, and it's the ending of the traditional relationship. Really, I feel like in 2024, we're going to see a new kind of relationship because obviously we've all heard about the rising cost of living or what what do you call it, Rob? The upward pressure on living? Anyway, you've all probably felt it, especially if you were out looking for presents for kids these last few days. Uh, You know that apparently the kids are not aware that the cost of living crisis is going on and they're asking for very expensive things. You're talking from personal experience. Yeah, it's very personal and very recent, so... This feels like very stressful times to get into a serious relationship. But let me introduce you to the concept of inflation ships, because we don't really want emotional intimacy anymore. You got my attention? Okay. Because we don't really want emotional intimacy anymore. We want to be left alone, but in this economy, it's just not possible. At this point, we're not dating for love. And as Ben Keenan puts it on TikTok... We're basically dating to sleep next to each other platonically just so we can save on rent and split the rent of a one-bedroom apartment. So in 2024, forget about roommates. We're getting into inflation ships. So this is like friends, but poorer. It's like roommates, but closer. You're talking about a long-term relationship where you basically share everything. And it's a a great economic model. We, this is... It's the new economic model. It sounds like what we were doing before. We're calling it by a different name. Usually we call it marriage. <laughs> we fell in love slowly over time. Also, we had no choice. We grow up together. Yeah, exactly. exactly. No, I know quite a few people who are doing this in Geneva, like really not in relationships, but just sharing a bedroom, sharing like a studio apartment. What I don't get is this idea of platonic relationships and one person sleeps on the couch because can you imagine being the person that sleeps on the couch? I think that's great. So there's going to be a whole new industry. Unless you make somebody sleep in the kitchen. What do you buy your inflation ship? Like what's a gift? What's the perfect gift? There's going to be a whole new industry. There's cards for this. There's got to be cards for this. There should be. We should come out with an inflation (laughs) ship card. Thank you for... Just splitting rent with me. With a tasteful drawing that doesn't seem to indicate anything more but inflation ship. Thank you for splitting grocery bills with me and allowing me not to throw away half my groceries. We could buy a whole celery. I feel like this segment, this is one of your best segments, Michelle, because this made me at the same time laugh, but also now I'm depressed. Slight cry. Yeah, slight cry at the end. Because it sinks in. It is sad. But we're just... In the past, you just got married, and now you don't. And, and then you maybe you died the like next winter, then you got married out. again, somebody else died. It's like, when, when did you die? Three winters ago? But Yeah, but which month? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, one of them. It was like, till death do us part. It was sooner rather than later, is what they didn't tell you. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Contract changed. So thanks for that dark humor to get us into the Christmas, holiday, New Year's mood, Michelle. It's very much appreciated. Like, enjoy your studio apartment and your dinner of tinned fish. It's exactly tinned fish. I love how the tinned fish you so Yeah, it hit me really hard. Well, among Most of your segments hit me pretty hard. I'm like, damn, I'm glad I got married already. It's all about like economic struggle of the youth. You can also go to Noma with your inflation ship. You can because you have to split tables at Noma, but you might have to get two inflation Together. ships to go together to get it the vibe is not shifting it's dead you've lost that love and feeling hashtag top gun editor please fix this 
So, Artie, that brings us to our last big segment on the broadcast. This week in local news, you wouldn't believe this was true unless you lived in Geneva or really anywhere else. And I want to start off by, you know, answering everybody. You were worried. You remember a couple of weeks ago, Lake Geneva, we had a big sea duck that had come by. This was observed, filmed, and, and documented. Today, I read in the new local newspaper, we now have a large sea eagle, a pigaug that has been released somewhere in nearby France, has decided to fly over. Big eagle. This thing is as big as a vulture. And dropped into the uh, Le Mans region. Now, what I'm asking is, who are these dumbass birds who are supposed to be on the ocean who end up on the Lac Le Mans? We do have an issue here. And I think, you know, all of you who are in the community here, I know you're feeling the same way. We're going to have to find a way to make sure these seabirds do not monopolize this body of water here, Lake Geneva. That sounded like a microaggression. <laughs> I think this was more of a macroaggression. The macroaggression a- to the whole avian species. It's just, if you're a seabird, go to the sea. If you're a lake bird, go to the lake. So the last big uh, thing that we wanted, and here I think we may have a divergence among the straight-splaining team. So what uh, came across uh, the wires here was a talk about the annual global tournament of using Excel for competitive spreadsheeting. So apparently this is a thing. And as described in the story, the thrills were off the charts. Rivals were battling for this uh, this big thing. They included something called hexadecimals, big, big number. And people are screaming, people are shouting. In the final match, uh, there's six problems related to spaceship construction and asteroid mining. Of course, there's table. You know, you can go and see dancing girls. You can gamble or go to make your data spill the beans with dynamic array formulas, which was one of the <laughs> offerings. People are wondering why birth rates are falling around the globe. (laughs) I actually saw it on TikTok after you mentioned it, and I saw that a lot of TikTokers went there. So I feel like Excel is trying to do some advertising for itself. Yeah, I would go. Why not? But how do you know when to boo and when to cheer? No, but I guess there's boos. He used a comma, not a parenthesis. What an idiot. (laughs) Uh, Some all doesn't work with the comma, noob. I would have to bring Marty. (laughs) You're not going to. You would need me to spice up this tournament. <laughs> Jesus I'm Christ. Go, I'm going to the XL World Championships, honey, in Vegas. Do you think she's going to buy so, that? Is anybody going to believe you? Your wife would. She might, yeah. I do love spreadsheets. <laughs> That's true. That's going to, we're going to try to, we're, we're <laughs> going to pull ourselves very harshly and abruptly out of this segment. That ends our local news segment for today. We'll keep an eye on that. And meanwhile, do keep your head down. Look out for those dumbass seabirds. Well, folks, that wraps up episode 57, brought to you by the gradual, just, equitable, orderly, not-so-very-fast transition out of fossil fuels, by supply chain crises, redux, and, of course, everybody's favorite Vegas entertainment, competitive spreadsheet. We also want to take the chance to thank all of you loyal listeners, those who joined us in the past year, as well as those who've been with us even longer, who are hoping to take the podcast even further in 2024, so stay tuned. In addition to wishing everyone a happy holiday season and a great end of the year, we also want to thank our executive producer, Michelle Olguin and Chrissy Bagsik for highlighting the vibe shift as well as helping produce this and every TS episode. Please don't forget to subscribe to this podcast if you haven't done so already to make sure you catch our next episodes coming out very soon. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or anywhere you get your podcasts. Don't forget to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify this Christmas season. 
We do read all of them. We will have time, actually, so please be gentle. You can follow us on Twitter at Tradesplaining or on Instagram at trade.splaining or email us your questions, comments the old-fashioned way at trade.splaining at gmail.com. Once again, that's trade.splaining at gmail.com. And remember, folks, listen responsibly. I can't believe we did that. I didn't even see you, and we did it. We were, like, connected. All right. Could have been worse. In our end-of-year episode 57, we'll be recapping COP28, looking back at the year that was 2023, including a few bloopers. Why are they called bloopers? That's the thing that I'm really kind of stumbling on. Watch the Willy Wonka. We did it. This is not made up. It's not made up. Okay, try again. Oompa, bloompa, boopa. Bloopas, bloopas, bloopas.